this morning we're going to be back in the book of Acts. Over the holiday season, we had left uh, the book of Acts. We've been teaching through the book of Acts for a little while, uh, but over the holiday season, we had kind of left the book of Acts and, of course, looked at some things uh, relevant to uh, the Christmas season and uh, speaking about the coming of our Savior. But this morning, we'll be going back uh, to the book of Acts. And this morning, we find ourselves in Acts chapter number 10. Acts chapter number 10. And here in the book of Acts chapter number 10, we find the story of Cornelius, a Roman Gentile who Peter uh, took the gospel to. This is a very interesting story because this story uh, lays the groundwork uh, uh, for what I believe God wanted to teach uh, the church for generations to come, and that was that the gospel was never intended uh, for one specific group of people, uh, but the gospel has always uh, been intended uh, for everyone. Uh, this morning I titled the message Crossing Social Boundaries uh, with the Gospel. And I've titled it that because this story, this account uh, of Peter taking the Gospel to Cornelius so clearly demonstrates uh, exactly the truth uh, of that we are to take the Gospel across the boundaries that society has set uh, and share the good news of the Lord Jesus Christ with everyone. As we come here to this uh, uh, chapter 10 in the book of Acts, uh, uh, we see that the Lord, in, in putting this account in here, He is dealing with a misunderstanding that existed in the Jewish church. And by dealing with this misunderstanding, as I said, He's establishing a precedence uh, that will teach us for years uh, how we should handle sharing the gospel. You see, the church at Jerusalem had this misconception uh, uh, that the gospel or that the Messiah was only for them. That Although uh, the prophets had prophesied as we looked at last month, uh, the prophets had prophesied that the Messiah would be alike to the Gentiles. Uh, the Jews had this mindset uh, uh, that the Messiah was only for them. They also had a second misunderstanding uh, in that they thought that the Messiah was coming uh, to be a military leader uh, and a political deliverer. So they felt uh, that the Messiah was coming only to the Jews uh, and the Messiah was coming to deliver the Jews uh, from the Roman oppression. And so in thinking that, uh, in the mind of the Jewish believer, uh, uh, there was no way that the gospel could be for the Gentiles. Uh, uh, the, although Jesus plainly taught uh, that he had come to fulfill the laws, uh, uh, the Jewish believers uh, had continued uh, to add the works of the law uh, to salvation. And in doing so, uh, uh, they had felt that uh, there was a certain degree uh, of compliance with Judaism uh, that was necessary uh, before a person could ever even understand and accept the truth uh, of the gospel uh, of the Lord Jesus Christ. So the Jewish believer, uh, in their mind, there was no way uh, that the gospel could ever go to the Gentiles. They, they were not Jewish. Uh, uh, they did, did not adhere to the ritualistic laws of Judaism. Uh, uh, because of that, uh, uh, they were unclean. Uh, and in the mind of the Jewish believer, there was no way... Uh, that the Gentile could ever understand and accept and believe the gospel of the Messiah. Now as we uh, look uh, uh, throughout the Word of God and throughout history, uh, uh, we will find that there were Gentiles who were sympathetic uh, to Judaism, exactly what is taking the place in the life of Cornelius here. He was a Gentile who was sympathetic uh, uh, to uh, uh, Judaism, you see. 
they would uh, move in and they would live there amongst the Jews uh, and because they lived amongst the Jews they would be able to uh, see uh, the Jewish religion, they would be able to come in contact with the Jewish religion and sometimes they would become sympathetic to it uh, and even begin to adhere to some parts of it uh, but they wouldn't comply with the ritualistic uh, uh, laws uh, of Judaism and because of that uh, the Jews felt that although they were sympathetic uh, to the things of God, they still uh, could not receive uh, the things of God. But here in Acts chapter number 10, God reveals to Peter the error of this thinking. And he recorded this example here in chapter number 10, I believe as a guideline for the New Testament church. And I believe the reason that he preserved it in his word is to prevent uh, you and I from limiting who we share the gospel with. It keeps us from putting our own requirements on who is able to receive the gospel. I believe that God is aware that we as people have tendencies to establish social barriers in regard to where we share the gospel. We, we tend to impose our own set of rules on who we should reach, who would be most beneficial to the church, and who God is most likely to save. And with that is who we take the gospel to. The problem is just as the Jews were mistaken in their beliefs concerning the Gentiles whenever we impose our own rules on who we can take the gospel to, we also, we also put limitations on the gospel that God never intended. I remember when I was just a young boy, I was probably uh, 11 or 12 years old. Uh, we lived out in the country on a back road uh, and uh, we had a special meeting coming up at the church and so I would take and pass uh, invitations out. I would walk down that old back road and invite all the neighbors to come to the church and pass these invitations out. But there was one house and just the way the house sat there, the way the house looked, uh, uh, there's some things about the house I would always skip that house. I just felt like they did, wasn't worthy of an invitation. They didn't need an invitation. There were some things about the house uh, uh, that did not uh, appeal to me. There were some things about the house that concerned me. Uh, and so I'd always skip that house. Finally, one day I was passing out invitations for another event. Uh, and I came to that house. And as I went to walk by it, as I always did, I just felt convicted that I should go and knock on the door. And I couldn't get away from the conviction, so I went and I knocked on the door. And the sweetest little lady you ever met answered the door. And I was able to talk to her and, and come to realize that I had completely, completely misjudged this person based on oh, the house that she lived in, completely built an idea of how she would be receptive or how she would not be receptive to the gospel based on the house she lived in only to realize that she was very receptive to the gospel. And I know that was just something from a, a young boy, but many times we put social limitations on the gospel that God never intended. 
As we look at our world, our country, and even our local community, we find that this world we live in becomes more and more and more diverse. Social differences threaten to divide. They threaten to build walls. And in looking at this, we need to remember that we were never called to only share the gospel with those people who share our same principles, our same morals, our same values, but we have been called to take the gospel across the social boundaries. And we see that so clearly here in Acts chapter number 10. Here in Acts chapter number 10, we read the account of two men and two visions, but one God and one gospel. Two men, two visions, but one God and one gospel. Two very different men with very different backgrounds. Two visions sent by the same God for the purpose of propagating the one true gospel message. Here in this passage we have an example and a command for believers to carry the gospel across social boundaries, for believers to proclaim the truth of Jesus Christ to all people, regardless of their race, their gender, their background, their lifestyle, their beliefs, or any other barrier that had been established by society, we are commanded to carry the gospel. Let's look here in Acts chapter number 10 and... It's a lengthy passage, verse 1 down through verse number 33. So what we're going to do is we're going to go to the Lord in prayer and then we're going to jump right into the message. Father, we thank you, Lord, for this day. We thank you, Lord, for your goodness. Lord, I pray you help us this morning. I pray, dear Lord, that you give us clarity of thought. I pray, dear Lord, that you will help us to be able to preach your word. I pray, dear Lord, as we look at this account, Lord, of... Peter taking the gospel to Cornelius that Lord as we look at this account that Lord we will see that Lord you have commanded us to set aside our social differences to set aside Lord the things that separate different groups of people and to set those things aside and Lord to carry the gospel to the places that Lord normally we might not take it and Father allow you to do a work in the hearts of people. I pray to Lord that you'll bless now as we look at this I pray you bless the message and Father We'll praise you in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. As we look at this story, the first thing that we see as we jump into Acts chapter number 10 is Cornelius. So we're introduced right off the bat to Cornelius. And the first thing we see in the introduction to Cornelius is his background. In Acts chapter 10 and verse number 1 it says, There was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius, a centurion of the band called the Italian band. We see here in this description, we see a centurion of the Roman military, a man of position, power, and rank in the Roman occupation of Israel. Uh, We have some specifics in this verse concerning his position. Uh, We see that he was a centurion of the Italian band. Now these bands uh, uh, that the Roman military consisted of these bands and these bands would oftentimes consist of 500 uh, to 1,000 men and then they would be divided down even further uh, into groups of 100 men uh, and over each group of 100 men uh, would be a general or a captain 
Roman who the Romans referred to as a centurion. And this man would be responsible for those hundred men and a group of ten of these centurions would make up what was known as a band of soldiers. And this particular band was called the Italian band. This was Cornelius' position. He was a centurion. He was a captain. He was a general. He was a leader of a hundred men within this Italian band. Now, we look at that and it we realize that whenever Christ came to earth, Israel was under Roman oppression. And the Jews, as they looked for the Messiah, they were looking for a political leader. They were looking for a political deliverer. They were looking for someone who would come and who would overthrow the Roman government and who would free the Jews from the Roman oppression. They viewed the Messiah as a deliverer from their present circumstances. But if I could just say this right here, Jesus was never about politics. Jesus was never about bringing deliverance through a political means. Jesus has always been interested in delivering the individual from sin. That has always been his focus. It was his focus when he came and it is his focus still today. He has always been about delivering the individual individual from sin. But in the Jewish mindset, if there was anybody who was not qualified to hear the gospel, it would have been a Roman soldier. The Romans were Gentiles and therefore unclean. They were unable to even comprehend the holiness of God in the mind of the Jews. Not only was this man a Gentile, but this man was a Roman soldier. He was a poster picture of the very people that the Jews wanted the Messiah to overthrow. This man would have been viewed by the Jews as an arch enemy. This man would have been viewed by the Jews as the reason for their oppression. He would have been viewed by the Jews as the reason for their suffering. He would have been viewed by the Jews as the hindrance to their religion. This man would have been a poster picture of everything, that the, of someone who was against everything that the Jews stood for. He was a centurion of the Italian band. The Jews felt that there was no way that the gospel could go to the Gentiles. and There certainly was no way that the gospel could go to a Roman centurion. The Jews felt that the gospel could not go to this man because they were focused on a social barrier that they had established. This wasn't a barrier that God put in place. It was a barrier that they had put in place. But here in Acts chapter number 10, God is about to reveal that the gospel has never been limited by the barriers that men put in place. The second thing we see about Cornelius, not only do we see his background, but in verse number 2, we see his belief. The Bible says in verse number 2, a devout man and one that feared God with all his house and gave much alms to the people and prayed to God always. 
We see here his belief. Uh, uh, we see here that Cornelius was a man who, because he lived among the Jews, because he observed the Jews, uh, because he came in contact uh, with Judaism, uh, he had become interested uh, in the things of God. He had become aware uh, of the things of God. And he was a man uh, who began to pursue uh, and to seek after uh, other things uh, of God. Uh, many times we will see in our own society people uh, who have came to a knowledge of God. They have heard about God. Uh, Maybe they have read some literature about God. Uh, They have become interested in the things of God and they begin in their own understanding and in their own application. They begin to endeavor to do whatever they feel is necessary and right in order to, to believe and to follow this God. This is exactly what's going on in Cornelius. Uh, uh, He believed uh, in the God of the Jews. Uh, He applied the moral issues uh, uh, that he understood uh, about this God to his life. Uh, The Bible says that he prayed to this God uh, always. Uh, uh, Cornelius was a man who was interested in the things of God and he was seeking for the true God. He had an interest in knowing God and he was acting on what he knew. You'd be surprised to realize that there are many, many people uh, who are in a completely different social standard than you and I are who do have an interest uh, in knowing uh, and understanding God. Cornelius uh, had an interest in knowing God and he was acting on what he knew, but there was a couple problems. First, Cornelius knew nothing of Jesus or the salvation that was available through believing on him. But the second problem was even greater. And that was that there was no Jewish believer who was ever going to take the gospel to Cornelius. There was no Jewish believer who was ever going to go to the home of a Roman soldier and tell him the good news of the salvation of the Lord Jesus Christ. There was no Jewish believer who was ever going to do that. There was no way that Cornelius could be interested. There was no way that Cornelius could be seeking. There was no way that Cornelius could be looking for salvation. There was no way that a Jewish believer would ever take the gospel to him. Here we have a Roman Gentile who is interested in the things of God. He knows nothing about it. He doesn't understand it. But in his heart, he is seeking to know and understand God. And yet the believers will not take the gospel to him because of a social barrier that they put in place. It's a serious problem for Cornelius. He needs to know the truth. He wants to know the truth. But nobody's taken the truth because of a man-made social barrier. But I thank the Lord that we serve a God who is not hindered by our social barriers. We serve a God who is willing to cross the barriers. He is willing to break through the walls. He is willing to step over the line in order to get the gospel to those who seek Him. And in verse 3 through 6, we see that in order to do this, the Lord began to work. He began to orchestrate some events to bring salvation to Cornelius. In verse 3 through 6, we see Cornelius' vision. The Bible says in verse number 3, he saw in a vision evidently about the ninth hour of the day, an angel of God coming into him and saying unto him, 
Cornelius. And when he looked on him, he was afraid and said, What is it, Lord? And he said to him, Thy prayers and thine alms are come up for a memorial before God. And now send men to Joppa and call for one Simon, whose surname is Peter. He lodgeth one Simon a tanner, whose house is by the seaside. He shall tell thee what thou oughtest to do. You know what? We may have hesitation. We may avoid certain types of people, but not our Savior. He is just as interested in saving the hated Roman general as he is in saving the chosen Jew. He will always provide the gospel message to anyone who is seeking him. I believe with all my heart that if there is someone who is seeking the Savior, that God will find a way to get the gospel message to him and it may be that he will nudge your heart or prick your mind or give you reason to be the one who shares the gospel and we need not let the social barriers keep us from taking the gospel to him. Cornelius was acting on what he knew and God was willing to reveal more to him. So God sent a vision directing Cornelius to send for Peter that he might hear the whole gospel message. And in verse 7 and 8 we see Cornelius' response. The Bible says, and when the angel which spake unto Cornelius was departed, he called two of his household servants and a devout soldier of them that waited on him continually. And when he had declared all these things unto them, he sent them to Joppa. Cornelius heard, Cornelius understood, and he acted on what God had revealed unto him. Cornelius was ripe and ready to hear the gospel. I believe that this world is full of people who might be very different than you and I, but who are ready and ripe to hear the gospel. We have to be willing to cross the social boundaries and take the gospel to them Now in verse 9 through 17, our attention switches from Cornelius to Peter. Cornelius was ready to hear the gospel and now the Lord needs to get Peter ready to share the gospel. As we look at Peter, the first thing we see is his habit. Boy, it's a good habit. In Acts chapter number 10 and verse number 9, it says, On the morrow, as they went on their journey and drew nigh unto the city, speaking of Cornelius' servants, on their way to get uh, Peter, we see that the Bible says Peter went up uh, completely unaware of what was going on. Peter went up on the housetop to pray about the sixth hour. This would have been right at noon. Uh, Peter staying there at the house of Simon the Tanner. Uh, it came noon uh, and Peter went up on the roof of the house uh, to spend a little bit of time in prayer. Uh, let me just interject here. If you want to be used of God, if you want God to send opportunities your way, uh, if you want to be the individual uh, that God uses uh, to take the gospel uh, to someone that nobody else has taken it to, you need to be a person uh, who has a consistent communication with God. You need to be a person who stays in touch with God. Peter was a man who could be used of God because Peter was a man who stayed in touch with God. 
The only time you ever talk to God is whenever you're in church on Sunday morning. I want to say that there's a chance that God may not be able to get your attention when there's an opportunity for you to be used of Him. But if you are a person who every day, multiple times a day, is staying in close communication with God, then God can let you know when He needs to use you. We see that it was noon. It was the middle of the day. Now where do we find Peter? He was on top of the house, spending time in prayer. But not only do we see his habit, in verse number 10 we see his hunger. And I think this is interesting in that it reveals that Peter was just a person just like you and I. He wasn't some supernatural being. He was just a person who was in tune with God. Here in verse number 10 we see his hunger and it says, and he became very hungry. It's lunchtime. It's the middle of the day. It's time for the noonday meal. Peter went up on the house to pray and he was praying uh, and he became very hungry. Old Belly began to growl. Uh, he began thinking that he could use himself a sandwich and a tall glass of milk. Uh, it was lunchtime. Peter was hungry. Uh, and uh, it says here, and he would have eaten. But while they made ready, he fell into a trance. Uh, the way I picture this is Peter's there at the house of Simon the Tanner. Peter goes up on the housetop to pray a little bit. Uh, he spends some time in prayer. As he's praying, he's like, boy, I am hungry. I mean, I am just starving to death. I mean, I could really use some lunch. And so Peter gets up. Uh, he goes over to the stairwell and he hollers down to Simon. Uh, he says, Simon, uh, is, the, is lunch ready? And uh, Simon says, uh, Mrs. Mrs. Simon is working on it right now. It'll be ready in just a few minutes. Uh, Peter, uh, we'll, we'll let you know when it's ready. And Peter's like, all right, well, I, I just want y'all to know I am starving to death up here. I am a hungry preacher. I need some food. No worry, Peter. We'll get this ready for you. You can come down and eat in just a few minutes. And so Peter goes over and sits down to wait until lunch is ready. And when he sits down, God moves in with a message for Peter that prepares him for the task that God has in hand, at hand. In verse 11 through 16, we see Peter's vision. There in verse number 11, it says, And Saul, just go back to verse number 10, While they made ready, he fell into a trance. In verse number 11, And saw heaven open. And a certain vessel descending unto him, as it had been a sheep, a great sheep, knit at the four corners and let down to the earth, wherein were all manner of four-footed beasts of the earth and wild beasts and creeping things and fowls of the air. There came a voice to him, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. But Peter said, Not so, Lord, for I have never eaten anything that is common or unclean. And the voice spake unto him again the second time, What God has cleansed, that call thou not common? This was done thrice, and the vessel was received up again into heaven. I believe that the Lord used both Peter's closeness to him as well as Peter's physical hunger to drive home the message of this vision. Peter was hungry. Peter wanted something to eat. Uh, Peter was ready for lunch. Uh, but everything offered in the sheet, the sheet was let down and it was opened up. Uh, and there in the sheet was all manner, the Bible says, of beast uh, and, of, and of creeping things and of fowl. Uh, uh, there was everything in here, uh, uh, all kinds of things uh, that was forbidden in the Jewish law uh, for a Jew to eat uh, in the dietary laws. All of these things uh, that was in the sheet was considered unclean, uh, something that they were not allowed to eat. 
eat. And the Lord said to Peter, Peter, rise and eat. Take and kill one of these animals. Grab up one of these grubs, whatever it is. Get you something, Peter, and eat it up. And Peter said, no, Lord. No, no, Lord, I, I can't do this. I've, I've never eaten anything that is unclean or uncommon. Yes, I'm hungry. Yes, I want something to eat. But no, I can't partake of this. And the Lord said, Peter, don't call unclean. That which I have said is clean. Don't say that you can't partake in something I have said that you can partake in. The Lord was using this to drive home the message that he was getting ready to open an opportunity to take the gospel. You see, although Peter didn't understand the full meaning of the vision at this time, God was prepping him for a much bigger understanding just as Peter was hungry but didn't want to take of this because the dietary Jewish law said that he couldn't. Peter also was a man who wanted to share the gospel and see people believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. But the Jewish law had taught him as an individual that a Roman Gentile could never hear the gospel. God was revealing to Peter, Peter, you're hungry and I've said that this food is okay. Peter, you want to share the gospel and I have said that you can take it to any person, anywhere, regardless of their social standing. We see that Peter had a desire to spread the gospel, but a barrier, a social, man-made barrier stopping him and God was breaking down that barrier. At that moment Peter didn't understand everything that God was teaching him but he didn't dismiss it and in verse number 17 we see Peter's meditation. Now while Peter doubted in himself what this vision which he should had seen should mean. You know sometimes what God is doing doesn't make sense in the moment but if we just continue being faithful to God it will become crystal clear later on. Peter didn't understand all that God was telling him at the moment, but it was all going to make sense very soon. Because while men were going about their mundane lives, and this happens so often, God was behind the scene uh, orchestrating an event uh, that would uh, open the doors for the spread of the gospel that had never been considered before. I believe when we are willing to cross social boundaries with the gospel, we will often find opportunities we would have never expected to find otherwise. Let's look at a few details of this very quickly. First of all, we see the divine appointment. We see the divine appointment. In this divine appointment, we see that God arranged perfect timing. Look at verse 17 and 18. Now while Peter doubted in himself uh, what this vision which he had seen should mean, behold the men which were sent from Cornelius made inquiry for Simon's house and stood before the gate and called and asked whether Simon, which was surnamed Peter, uh, was lodged there. Peter is thinking about this vision that God has just given him uh, and while he's thinking about the vision, uh, the men from Cornelius' house knock on the door and say we're looking for Simon uh, who is surnamed Peter. Uh, it does he stay here. We see that God whenever he arranges a divine appointment, uh, uh, he has perfect timing. Uh, whenever God intersects our path uh, with someone that needs to hear the gospel, uh, he 
He's already done all the background work. Not only that, we see in looking at this divine appointment, not only we see the perfect timing, but we see the Spirit's direction. In verse 19 and 20 it says, While Peter thought on the vision, the Spirit said unto him, Behold, three men seek thee. Arise therefore and get thee down and go with them, doubting nothing, for I have sent them. So Peter's still sitting here. He's still trying to figure out uh, why God let down a sheet uh, full of all kind of unclean animals and told him that he could eat of them. Uh, and he's trying to figure this out. And then the Spirit says there's three men downstairs uh, who want to see you. Go downstairs uh, and go with them. We see the Spirit's direction. We also see that God directed Peter uh, to some sincere searchers. In verse 21 and 22, it says... Then Peter went down to the men which were sent unto him from Cornelius and said, Behold, I am he whom ye seek. What is the cause wherefore ye are come? They said, Cornelius the centurion, a just man, and one that feareth God and of good report among all the nations of the Jews, was warned from God by an holy angel to send for thee into his house and to hear words. Of thee. I bet at this point things start making sense to Peter. The puzzle pieces start falling together. It's probably still a little unclear, but he's beginning to see what God is doing. God has made in a divine appointment. He has orchestrated the perfect timing. And now here are some people who are sincerely searching for God. And in verse number 28, we see that Peter was a prepared preacher because he was yielded to God. In verse number 28, he is there at the house of Cornelius and he's preparing to share the gospel. Peter said, and he said unto them, Ye know that it is an unlawful thing for a man that is a Jew to keep company or to come unto one of another nation. But God hath showed me that I should not call any man common or unclean. The vision made sense. God was calling Peter to cross the boundaries that were set in place by man to take the gospel to people who were completely different than Peter in their morals, in their values, uh, in their, in their views, uh, in their worldviews, completely, totally different. But God said that's an individual who needs salvation and I want you to take the gospel to them. Peter was a prepared preacher. I believe that just as God prepared the preacher in this story, if we stay sensitive to his leading in our lives, uh, God will prepare our hearts uh, for the opportunities that he brings across our path. And then lastly in this account, we see that because Peter was willing to cross the social boundaries, he was presented with an unexpected opportunity. <clears throat> in verse number 29, we see the obedience of Peter. Therefore came I unto you without gain, saying, As soon as I was sent for, I asked therefore, For what intent have you sent for me? This is not where Peter would have normally gone. This is not the group Peter would have normally preached to. Uh, this is not the place that he would have normally shared the gospel. But he submitted to the Lord's leading uh, and found a group of people uh, who although they were confused in their approach, uh, were hungry to know the truth of the gospel. In verse 30 and 31, we see the desire of Cornelius. And Cornelius said, Four days ago I was fasting unto this hour, and at the ninth hour I prayed in my house. And behold, a man stood before me in bright clothing and said, Cornelius, thy prayer is heard, and thine alms are had in remembrance of the sight 
of the Lord. The Lord led Peter into the home of a Roman who was desperately seeking to know the Lord. He was still a Roman. He was still part of the military. He was still a picture of the political oppression of the Jews. But he was an individual in need of a Savior. And God was willing to answer that call. As I look at this unexpected opportunity, I also see the attentiveness of the people. You know what? A lot of times we take the gospel to those people who we feel are like us. Maybe they're not Christians, but they share the same moral value. They have the same uh, personal interests. They, they live in the same community. They, they have the same lifestyle as we do. They, they hold the same moral values that we do. And that's where we want to take the gospel to. And that's understandable and that's a natural thing. But many times as we try to share the gospel, we'll find that they're really not interested. The problem is we're taking the gospel to the people we want to take it to rather than the people that God wants us to take it to. We see here that whenever you take the gospel uh, to the individual uh, who is interested in God, regardless uh, of the social differences, uh, you will find people who are willing to listen and hear what you've got to say. In verse number 33, Cornelius says, Immediately therefore I sent to thee, and thou hast well done that thou art come. Now therefore are we all here present before God to hear all the things that are commanded thee of God. Peter gets there to the house. He walks into the house and Cornelius has called all his family together. He's called his friends and neighbors together. They're all seated. They are waiting. They are ready. They want to hear the gospel. They are wanting to listen to the gospel. They are listening to what Peter has to say. Too often, I believe, we limit to the gospel to those that we feel are potential believers rather than being willing to share the gospel with those who stand for and believe in things that we're strongly opposed to. I believe whenever we become willing to cross those barriers with the gospel, we'll often find people who are hungry, people who are seeking, people who are willing to listen to a message of hope and deliverance. We've just got to be willing to take it to them. Next week we'll be looking at verse 34 down through the end of the chapter where we see Cornelius and his family's acceptance of the gospel. This was an unexpected opportunity that God gave to Peter. Peter would have never anticipated that he would be in the home of a Roman Gentile preaching the gospel and seeing these people accept the Lord as their Savior. But Peter obeyed. He crossed the barrier and he watched as God did a mighty work in the lives of these people. You know, every day it seems that our society creates more and more social barriers. Now our society says that they're working for equality and inclusiveness, but in reality we are becoming more and more and more diverse. We're no longer a group of people united uh, under a similar set of beliefs and moral practices. Now we have divisions within divisions. But I believe if as Christians we are willing to cross those barriers with the gospel, 
We will still find hungry people, seeking people whose lives can and will be eternally changed through the power of believing on the Lord Jesus Christ. This morning as we consider this account in Acts chapter number 10, let me ask you, are you crossing social boundaries with the gospel? Are you willing to step outside your comfort zone and witness to that person whose beliefs and values and lifestyle is even repulsive to you? Are you willing to take the gospel outside your comfort zone? Are you willing to tell those who oppose you about the hope of eternity? I believe the Lord made it clear in this passage that the gospel isn't limited to a certain group of people but the gospel is available for all. So I want to ask you, who can you think of that you have encountered, someone that you know, who is outside of your social boundary who needs to hear the gospel? It could be that the Lord is using this message this morning to orchestrate a divine appointment between you and that individual. Are you willing to cross the social boundary and take the gospel and allow God to give you an opportunity that you never expected and see some some lost soul come to a saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. I believe if we're willing to do our part, God will take care of the rest. Let's be people who are willing to cross social boundaries with the gospel. Let's pray. Father, thank you, Lord, for this message. Lord, I know I went a little long this morning, but Father, I pray that, Lord, we will get what you are trying to reveal to us here in Acts chapter number 10, that, Lord, the gospel is not limited. Lord, many times we have our own uh, limitations. We have our own boundaries. We have our, our own places that we want to, to place people. But Father, I pray that you will help us to be people who are willing to go beyond those boundaries. And Lord, to take the gospel to everyone everywhere. Lord, I pray that we will cross the social boundaries. And Lord, that we will see you do a mighty work in the lives of people that Lord, we in and of ourselves maybe thought it wasn't possible. Help us, Lord, to be faithful to do your word. Father, we'll praise you for your goodness. Bless now as we go throughout this day. Father, I pray that you'll bless, uh, Lord, when we uh, come back for the service tonight. And Lord, we'll praise you in Jesus' name. Amen and amen.